Good afternoon. Uh, welcome to Cedar Mill. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. Right away, I just want to say this. If you, if you watch, you know, big t- television productions where they have like award shows, the Golden Globes or the Oscars or something, people always instantly want to tell you who they're wearing. And I have to tell you tonight that I am not wearing Armani or Gucci. I'm actually wearing Peyton Teixeira. My eight-year-old daughter made this tie for me for Christmas, and she was super excited, and she presented it to me like, I really hope you'll wear it on Christmas Eve, right? And then there was no choice to be made after that, so I am giving a shout-out to Peyton. I think she was probably in cahoots with some of you who wish I'd wear a tie more often, um, but I'm thrilled to, to be wearing Peyton tonight. Uh, hey, I'm going to ask our, some folks from our host team to come down, because as a church family, one of the things that, that defines us as we follow Jesus together, a big part of our calling is giving ourselves away. And tonight, we want you to know that everything that you give is going to be passed on to one of our global and then a number of our local uh, ministry partners, people we partner and work with. You can see uh, some of the folks listed on the screen, but these are people and organizations that serve the poor, the homeless, young mothers in crisis, refugees, shut-ins, prisoners, just a variety of people that live in the margins. And so I want to encourage you, come on forward, host team. Uh, We're also committed to a five-year partnership with Food for the Hungry, specifically partnering in a small village in Guatemala called Sequil. And last year we sent a team, and based from our Christmas Eve offering last year, we were able to give water filters to every single home in that village. This year, at the request of of local community leadership down there, we're going to be working with that village to co-fund three new classrooms for their local school. So just an opportunity to, at Christmas and a season when I think most of us have so much, to really uh, give ourselves away to some folks in our world that don't have as much as we do. Well, with that, I think what I'll do is um, pray for our sermon, um, for our message today. Uh, let me, if you're like getting a bag, you can just keep your eyes open. God will hear the prayer anyway. You can agree with me as the bags go by. Lord, tonight we ask that you would meet us in this place. Uh, as we're, we've come to celebrate the birth of your son, may you just give us fresh lenses to see that event and to experience you through. I ask that the words that I've prepared, God, that you'd breathe life into them. And I'll be prayed all in Christ's name. Amen. Well, hey, a couple of years ago, uh, my family celebrated Christmas at my parents' house. Uh, we all crammed into one space. It was my wife and myself, at that time our four kids, my brother, his wife, his four kids. Obviously my folks were there. They lived just outside of Omaha, Nebraska. And it was going to be a great week. My mom uh, loves to cook. She actually has the spiritual gift of making others chubby. And uh, she had poppy seed bread and banana bread and cookies and ice cream and cake and pie. Plus it snowed early that year in Omaha. And so there were snow forts and snow flakes and snowball fights and snow angels. We had a fire in the fireplace. People were sitting around playing cards at the table with hot drinks in hand. Things were just the way we all imagined they should be at Christmas. And then it happened. This 48-hour flu bug first caught hold of my wife and then began to make its way 
through my entire family. It may be the low point, I, who was the only one of the six of us who didn't get sick, spent all night uh, running various buckets and containers to the toilet to flush away what were at one time real tasty treats, but did not seem that tasty any longer. My brother calls it the December to remember. And it'll actually go down in the laurels of our family's history. And here's the thing about the December to remember. It felt so wrong. All of us, we felt like we got gypped. I mean, for us to have to suffer and struggle and be anything but completely happy and comfortable and content in our very safe state of gluttonous materialism, that just did not seem like what Christmas was supposed to be all about. And that's how so many of us feel, right? (laughs) Christmas is supposed to be this certain way. Everything is supposed to be calm and smooth and easy. And I have to ask, why do we feel that way? I mean, we love kid Christmas. We all laugh and applaud and cheer for that version of the story. Why? Because it's clean and neat and funny and safe and sterile. But how in the world do we ever get the idea that this is how Christmas is supposed to be? I mean, maybe it's because of the nativity scenes we see. They all look so serene. Everyone in the nativity looks so well-groomed, don't they? So calm, so peaceful. Or maybe it's the songs we sing and hear on the radio. Away in a manger... No crib for a bed, but the little Lord Jesus, he laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. I mean, even the tune says, this had to have been the most tranquil moment in the history of the world. And then there's silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Have you ever been in a delivery room? I mean, I wonder about the dude who wrote this song. He obviously wasn't, he'd never been in there because I've been in three times. There ain't nothing silent or calm or bright about that event at all. But so often that's our image, right? That's what we think Christmas was and what Christmas should be. And I have to say, I think it's dangerous because I believe our understanding of Christmas shapes our understanding of God and what it means to follow him. And so this evening, what I'd like to do is recalibrate us a bit. I'd like to ask us to pause and perhaps take a fresh look and remember what Christmas was really like. Because the real version, the the version in the scriptures is actually quite different. Christmas in the Bible is filled with scandalous teen pregnancy, near divorce and public disgrace, numerous angel appearances, which always meant sheer terror, a long trip with a wife late in her third trimester of pregnancy. Ever tried that, fellas? Lodging disaster, emergency makeshift childbirth, royal visitors, deception, mass murder, escape to a foreign land. Does that sound calm, serene, safe, or comfortable in any way? No. In fact, in Luke chapter 1, word has gotten out that Jesus is going to be born, that God himself is coming into the world. And there's this guy named Zechariah who gets the message. And here's what he says. Here's how he responds to the news of the birth of Jesus. He says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. 
That's what Christmas was all about, according to Zechariah, that the God of Israel has come to rescue us from the hand of our enemies. And I love that word rescue because I think it so captures the spirit of what Christmas truly is. The greatest rescue operation in the history of the world. Christmas is the God of the universe looking down at the mire and muck and mess of humanity and saying, someone's got to do something. Someone's got to fix this. Someone has to save this world and these people from the path of destruction they are on. Let the rescue operation commence. I'm going in. I'd actually argue that if you really wanted to set the Christmas story to appropriate music, it would probably actually sound something like this. John chapter 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, Christmas, friends, would actually be a blockbuster thriller if we really understood it, if we got the story right. But you know what we like to do? We like to make it this nice little holiday moment when God decided to drop in for a visit and a hot cup of cocoa. Christmas is actually the moment when God sees oppression and injustice, our pain, our suffering, our separation from Him, and He decides to dive right down into the middle of it. Christmas is God crossing over and jumping in behind enemy lines. On March 13, 1964, a young woman by the name of Kitty Genovese was returning to her home in Queens, New York, when she was assaulted. This is actually a very famous incident amongst psychologists and they've analyzed it over and over again for years because in the midst of being attacked, Kitty cried out. She cried out for help and up in the apartments on that street, all these lights came on. People heard her cries. They turned their lights on. They looked out. And when those lights came on, the assailant, he took off. He ran away thinking that people were going to come down. But no one did. No one came down to help. Why? Well, because everyone on that street knew that when you come down, you're not safe. When you come down, you're vulnerable. When you come down, you risk your life. And after about five minutes, when no one came down, the assailant came back. Friends, what Christmas is telling us is that when God heard our cries, when the Lord of heaven saw our distress, He came down. 
And not just with the chance of getting hurt, but as the Bible tells us, to give his life as a ransom for many, to sacrifice himself in the defense of those he loved, to take on the punishment all of humanity deserved on the cross. Remember that word rescue, the one that Zechariah used in Luke chapter 1? It's actually a very personal word. In the Greek, the language that the New Testament was, was written in, it's the word rulmai. Rulemai. And it means this, to rescue, to redeem, to deliver, to set free. But it also means to draw to oneself. To draw to oneself. You see, at the core of the Christmas rescue mission is God's plan to save and deliver and rescue us by drawing us to himself. By taking on all of your sin, all of my sin, the oppression, the injustice, the brokenness of the entire world, God comes down to absorb it all on our behalf. And that's the gift of God at Christmas. That's what he offers. He says, I have come to give you. He says, receive it. Receive the salvation, the deliverance, the redemption that I am offering through Jesus. And so let me ask you, Is that the God you know? Is that who God is to you? A God that loves you that much? A God that doesn't just sit in heaven with rules and judgment and a list of requirements you must meet to be acceptable to him, but a God that says, I love you and care about you and value you so much that I'll risk and I'll endure and I'll put myself in harm's way to save you. You see, friends, in just a minute, our worship team is going to play a song for us. And it's a song you'll recognize. It's a real popular song right now, and it's been rewritten, but it was originally um, kind of written by Leonard Cohen. And at the very center of this song is one word, hallelujah. And hallelujah is kind of a strange word, but it's a Bible word, and here's what it means. It means highest praise for God. Hallelujah means, may God be worshipped. May God be treated like he is really God. May God get my worship, the worship of my lips and the worship of my life. And if Jesus, friends, is just a guy who came into the world to teach us some good things about how to live, then Christmas is just another holiday. And hallelujah is a bit of an over-the-top response for him. But... If the Christmas story of the scriptures is true, if Christmas truly is the moment when the word became flesh, when the God of heaven came to earth, when the rescue mission began, when God came down to save us, then hallelujah, it's not over the top at all. Hallelujah is actually the perfect response. It's the perfect response to a God who doesn't just stay up in the comforts of heaven, but who comes down down into our mire, into our mess, into our lives, into our brokenness, to bring healing and hope and peace. So let me ask you, have you responded to the Christmas story? Not the kid Christmas story, not the safe, sterile, easy, comfortable Christmas story, but the real Christmas story, the story where God risks and endures and comes into your mess, your life, your world. Have you responded to the God who came to rescue you? Have you responded with your mouth? Have you responded with your heart? Have you responded with your life? Have you let him in? 
to who you are? Have you said hallelujah? May God be praised. May God be worshipped. Because Christ is born and God came down from me. Would you consider that question again tonight? Would you consider what Christmas story you've bought into and if it is the right one, the true one, the real story of Christmas, the real story of a God who's come into your life through Jesus. Father, thank you for Christmas and thank you for your son. Ask the Lord for you to uh, remind us that you don't call us to safe, sterile, comfortable places, God, but that you stepped into the broken places, the messy places of this world to bring healing and hope and justice and that you invite us into those places with you as well. And so, God, we say, hallelujah, hallelujah, may you be praised because you've stepped into our mess and then you've called us with you into the messy places where you're at work. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen.